that we are brought here to worship you. And in every season, may our lips confess, blessed be your name. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, when streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your shall forevermore endure 
What a joy and a blessing that we have the opportunity with the God that loves us so much that we can look at ourselves and see where we are an erring child, and he will reconcile us. Now, if you will join me in the prayer of confession, said in unison, followed by a period of silent confession. Eternal God, whose covenant with us is never broken, we confess that we fulfill fulfill your will. Though you have committed yourself to us, we will not commit ourselves to you. In Jesus Christ, you draw near to us, but we find reasons to wander away from your presence. In your mercy, forgive us, and lead us into, into renewed communication with you. as we lift up these silent prayers of confession, we know that you hear, that you hear and that you care, and that your whole goal is to make us right with you. In your son's holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please rise for the assurance of pardon. from the Old Testament where it says you will be made white as snow or as white as the fresh wool of a lamb. This is the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. And now if you will join me in stating that as a one in our statement of faith. I believe believe in God, God, the Father Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. If everyone would please be seated, and with all the children, please come and join Pastor Derek in the front. So I'm going to ask some big questions this morning, and we'll see if we can answer them. Do you know what makes a church? Or who makes a church? Okay, a pastor. That's part of the church. That's part. Is there any other parts of the church? Kids. There's kids, yeah. Kids are a part of the church, I hope. And other people. 
Yeah, so the church is made up of lots of people. Well, who, besides the pastor, which I already got the answer, who are the church's leaders? Do you know the names for them? Anyone know? There's deacons, yeah. Deacons and elders, and we have trustees too. Does anyone know what a deacon does? I'm asking hard questions this morning. Well, a deacon, why, why let's do this. If you're a deacon or have been a deacon, why don't you just raise your hand so people can look around. So you keep a high, don't be nervous about it. So these people are people who have been part of the work of compassion, of caring in our church, of providing support for you and your families and for other members of the church. How about elders? What do elders do? They run the church. Well, that's a good answer. So if you've been an elder, raise your hand. Or if you are an elder, raise it high. This is for all of us to look around because these are people that you should know. And I'm going to have you do a little bit of homework in a second. But so elders are the people who run the church. They make the decisions um, and help set the vision for the church and um, lead us forward. There's also a group called the trustees. Trustees, any ideas about the trustees? They fix the church or they find other people to fix the church. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, are there any trustees here? Raise your hand. I know I saw a couple of them. Okay, so what I'm going to ask you to do, this is your job, each of you guys, is I want you to go with your parents, and it doesn't count if your parents are an elder or a deacon. I want you to go and find one of these people, and I'm going to have them raise their hand again, and you're going to stand up and look, and I want you after the service to go introduce yourself to them with your parents, so you don't have to be nervous, and then I want you to ask that, ask that elder or that deacon or that trustee to pray for you, because part of their job is to be praying for the church, and you're part of the church, okay? So I want you to stand up right now, stand up so you can see. If you need to come back higher on this step, you can. So elders, deacon, and trustees, raise those hands high. Okay, you need to look. Pick out somebody that's maybe sitting by your parents that's not your parent. Who is it that you're going to go up to after the service and introduce yourself to? Okay. Go ahead, you can put your hands down. Let's pray. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that all of us make up the church, the kids, the leaders, and everybody else. And we pray that you would help us be able to be connected more deeply together with one another so that we might support our leaders and support every single person of every age in our church. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you can go sit down. And all I can say is I hope it works. Well, I think it's an, a, a wonderful idea. If you would please join me in reading of our scripture lesson from Exodus 25, 1 through 8, found on page 65 of the Pew Bibles. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the people of Israel that they take, may take for me a contribution. From every man whose heart moves him, you will receive the contribution for me. And this is the contribution that you will receive from them. Gold, silver, and bronze, blue and purple and scarlet yarns, and fine twined linen, goat's hair, tanned ram skins, goat skins, acacia wood, oil for the lamps, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant insects, onyx stones and stones for setting, for the ephod and for the breastplate piece. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst, exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and all of its furniture, so you shall make it. This is the word of the Lord. So this morning when I came into the sanctuary, um, 
the worship assistant asked me, why are we reading that scripture? So if you have um, those questions in your mind, why was that scripture read? This is the first part of a sermon series that um, is going to be going from now all the way to Easter called um, The Tabernacle, The Dwelling of God. So to get to this particular place, um, Exodus 25, a lot of things have happened in the life of the people of Israel. So here we find the people of Israel now in a desert place. They've experienced good times, bad times, maybe more bad times, um, but God has met their needs. When they were slaves in Egypt, he freed them. When they needed food and water, when they were wandering in the desert, he provided those things. He sustained his people. God had protected the people as they wandered through dangerous lands. God had given laws to order their life together. The people of Israel have been promised a future in a new place by God. The people have seen God at work doing all these things. The people of Israel have said they will be God's people. Yet the question remains and echoes in their hearts. This question from Exodus 17, 7. Is the Lord among us or not? Well, I want us to consider the similarities of this situation of the people of Israel to our situation as a church, not as individuals. Oftentimes, we really just focus on what we can get out of something, but I really want us to consider this as those that the Spirit of God has gathered together this morning, that has gathered together as Nielsville Presbyterian Church. As Pastor Pete mentioned a couple of weeks ago, the congregation is in a desert place. It's in a place looking for the way forward. And God has met the needs of the congregation. God has provided freedom from slavery to sin in Jesus Christ. God has provided what is needed to sustain the congregation. He's offered protection. God has ordered the life of the congregation. And God has promised a future for this congregation beyond the desert place. And through the years, the people of Nielsville Presbyterian Church have seen this. They've seen God at work. And we say that we will be God's people. But even as we say that we will be God's people, even as we've made that commitment, the question echoes in our hearts as well. Is the Lord among us or not? Even though we know that God has done so much for us, even though we have said that we are God's people, we can easily wonder about God's presence with us as we face new challenges. Well, Exodus 25, verses 1 through 8, shapes the answer to this question of God's presence among his people, and it breaks it down in this way. God speaks, and then the people are moved, then the people give, and then the people make a sanctuary called the tabernacle. So God gives an answer to our question about his presence among us that invites our participation. His answer invites us to provide the answer. Let's see if we can make sense of this. Now, God's people are not just to trust God's action, they're invited to respond together in a concrete way to trust God. And, and that action there to take goes beyond just simply saying, we'll do whatever you say. It, it's sort of like the old adage, if a person is hungry, don't give, just give the person a fish, tell them how to fish. But we add in a little bit here. So it's not just that we hear um, from someone that we need to learn how to fish, we actually have to fish. So we reveal if we believe the Lord is among us by what we do, not just by what we hear, 
by hearing what he says, not just by saying we'll do it, but by acting. We reveal that God is among us as we respond in specific ways to God's word. So if you're looking at Exodus 25, the first thing God does is speak. The Lord asked Moses to get the people to take up a contribution. Now, a contribution is not giving everything yourself. It's not actually an individual act. A contribution is giving with others to do something one person can't do alone. God invites shared giving. This contribution also isn't meant for our benefit. If you're giving tribute to someone, you're not doing it for yourself. You're doing it for another. So, as Exodus makes clear, God asked Moses to invite the people to take a contribution for me. The contribution was for God, not for Moses, not for the people, and not so the people can feel good about themselves. It's for God. God's request for a contribution is an act of relationship. Here's a part of this answer to our wondering if the Lord is among us. We don't just focus on what God does for us. We hear what God asks us to do. And God asks us to do something for him that shows that he's at the center of our life together. He asks us to do something together for him. Well, this contribution that God asked for from his people in Exodus, it wasn't mandatory. The contribution was not commanded. This contribution was to be received from every person whose heart moved them to give. The contribution was to be freely given from people who genuinely want communion with God. So as we hear God's invitation to contribute today, we have the opportunity to make God's presence in our lives known. But this contribution is not a have to. This contribution is not a tax. It's not something we give so that God will do something else for us. God desires this contribution to come from a heart that is moved to give. Well, what's something that's moved you? What's gotten you to do something? Maybe you heard over the holidays that children were hungry and so you decided to donate food. Maybe if you're in uh, my line of work, working for the Montgomery County Coalition for the Homeless, maybe you heard positive news like a family being reunified after a homeless veteran received housing, and so you gave money to support that work. Sometimes we can't even articulate what moves our heart. We just need to respond. We just need to do something. Because this kind of heart response is deeper than just an intellectual assent. It's deeper than just saying, oh yes, God, I will follow you. Our being moved to action comes from our relationship with God. Our hearts being moved reveals a deep trust that God's presence is with us. It's like a spouse doing something for their partner just because they're connected. No other reason. And in doing it, it actually shows how they're connected. So our heart being moved to give something to God affirms he is at the center of our life. Well, while being moved in our hearts, that is an individual thing. The giving that comes out of that heart response is a shared activity. If we look at Exodus 25, if you look at verses 3 through 7, you see all sorts of descriptions of the contributions that God calls forth. 
It encompasses all different types of wealth and skills needed to produce those items. There are precious metals and jewels, but there's also dyed and woven cloth from weavers, animal skins from herders, and more. Everyone in the community of Israel could find something to offer God from that list. All different types of contributions are called for and are needed. God's intent is that the giving is shared among the people. God's presence with his people has an economic impact in their lives. So what will we give? Well, it's money, definitely, but it's more than that. Giving goes beyond just contributing assets. It includes giving time, giving skills, and, and giving our energy to put those assets to use. We often think about giving in relation to what others give. For example, we're going to see um, elders and deacons being um, installed this morning and ordained as leaders in the church. And um, we think about how they're offering themselves to God and taking up that commitment to serve God and build the church. And we may say, I could never do that and just sit back. But God invites our giving to be done for him and to be done with others. We're not signing up to be leaders alone. The church that only has leaders or a few as the primary givers, that church will be a place where you often hear the question, is the Lord among us or not? When we contribute together, we share in making clear that God's presence is among us. Our giving together reveals that God is at the center of our life. God desires for all that is given to be shaped by the people to facilitate worship of him. God doesn't just call for giving. God asked his people in Exodus 25 to do something with what they have contributed to him and there to make a sanctuary for his presence. This sanctuary that they make will answer the question when they're wondering if the Lord is among us or not. This sanctuary is called a tabernacle. And it's called a tabernacle because it encompasses both presence and mobility. This tabernacle is going to be something that the people of Israel, as we're going to learn in the series, fold up and put away as they travel to another place and then set up again. This tabernacle envisions a world where God is present wherever his people go. And this confronts the worldview that's all around us. This worldview that's shaped only by how we feel in the moment. How things are going for me. Or that's defined by what meaning we discover along the way. A bad day doesn't mean that God is absent. Even a bad week doesn't mean God is absent. Prosperity doesn't mean that God's people no longer need him. The tabernacle reminds God's people who it is that makes life possible. It reminds them who it is that, what it is that defines life for them. The tabernacle fights the self-destructiveness and the despair that are so potent when God is not acknowledged in life. This work of building a place for God's presence is our work today as well. Making a place for God's holiness that facilitates worship of him is our shared work. It's our generous work. Acting to make this sanctuary a tabernacle, very practically speaking, it takes time. It takes money. It takes talent. There are things that we each have to give, but there are also jobs to do. What we do, 
what we make together is what puts God at the center of our life. And God intends to be at the center of people's lives. God is committed to us. He doesn't just enter or exit based on our feelings or on the circumstances. God is reliably with our community. Still, he provides for us the answer to the inevitable question that will arise, especially in challenging times. Is the Lord among us or not? We start by listening to God. And God asks us to freely give our time, our talent, and our money to make something to facilitate worship of him. We acknowledge God's claim in our lives as we contribute together. Then what we make of our shared contributions to him, that reveals his presence, that reminds us of his presence with us. And what we make to do that is a place of worship. Now this place may include a physical structure, an actual building called a sanctuary, um, and other parts that are physical. But this place is always a congregation. This place of worship that we make takes each one of us because it is made up of us. As we gather together to worship, as we gather together to worship Jesus, we're forming the body of Christ. And as we do that, we can know that God's presence is with us. Our worship of God reveals that God is among us. Let us pray. God, as we start out exploring worship and how you call us to make evident who you are, we pray that you would encourage us. We ask for your help in knowing what to give. We ask for your spirit to encourage us as we make things, as we take on roles to shape this tabernacle. We pray that you would guide us in doing everything for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And I 
now is the time for offering. We have a chance to give, um, to put into action our response to this question, is the Lord among us? We have a unique offering that we're going to be sharing today, um, because not only are we going to be collecting the offerings of money, we're going to be having our um, new elders and deacons coming forward with the money during the doxology to come forward, and then they'll be ordained and installed. So if you are a new elder or deacon, if you're unsure about that, come forward anyway and we'll get it all sorted out. <laughs> um, so now may the ushers please come forward. You may be seated. Okay. Yeah, yeah, line up sort of in the center here. Come on, Theo. 
Okay, I'm looking. Margaret, Wendy, Jason, Mandy, Catherine. Okay. Great. God works through each person in a unique way, but it's God's purpose that is accomplished. To each is given a gift of the Spirit to be used for the common good. Together, we are the body of Christ. And this is our common calling, to be disciples and servants of our servant Lord. And within the community of the church, some are called to particular service as deacons, elders, and as trustees, and as ministers of the word and sacrament. Ordination is Christ's gift to the church, assuring that his ministry continues among us, providing for ministries of caring, and compassion in the world, ordering and governing of the church, maintaining and directing the use of the facilities of the church, and preaching the word and administering the sacraments. Representing the one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church, the session of Nielsville Presbyterian Church now ordains Wendy Couliard, Jason Evans, Margaret Kimgang, and to the office of deacon, Nenji Janambo, Catherine Serber, Jan Cummings. And we will install them to active service on their representative boards. The session also installs to active service those who have been previously ordained as deacons and elders, and we will be installing Trustees, Jason Kraft, Greg Couliard, Theo Tai, Don Uzerlo, Sando Hutto, and I neglected to name, in addition for the elders, Kevin Hutto and Michelle Colley, Kelly. Mm -hmm. So not all of them are represented here. Um, if they're an elder that has, or a deacon has not been ordained, you will see them in front of uh, you um, responding to the questions I'm going to ask in just a moment as well. Ordination calls the whole church to renewed commitment. This isn't just about them. This is about the whole congregation. It reminds us to gladly bear the yoke of Christ. So now I'm going to ask all of you constitutional questions. If you're going to be responding, I'll make sure you know how to respond, so please do. Do you trust in Jesus Christ, your Savior, acknowledge him Lord of all and head of the church, and through him believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? If so, say, I do. Do you accept the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be, by the Holy Spirit, the unique and authoritative witness to Jesus Christ in the church universal and God's word to you? If so, say, I do. Do you sincerely receive and adopt the essential tenets of the Reformed faith as expressed in the confessions of our church, as authentic and reliable expositions of what Scripture leads us to believe and do? And will you be instructed and led by those confessions as you lead the people of God? If so, say, I do and I will. Will you fulfill your office in obedience to Jesus Christ under the authority of Scripture and be continually guided by our confessions? If so, say, I will. Will you be governed by our church's polity and will you abide by its discipline? Will you be a friend among your colleagues in ministry, working with them subject to the ordering of God's word and spirit? If so, say, I will. Will you in your own life seek to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, love your neighbors, and work for the reconciliation of the world? If so, say, I will. Do you promise to further the peace, unity, and purity of the church? If so, say, I do. Will you seek to serve the people with energy, intelligence, imagination, and love? If so, say, I will. Now this question is for the deacons. Will you be a faithful deacon, teaching charity, urging concern, and directing the people's help to the friendliness, to the friendless, 
and those in need. In your ministry, will you try to show the love and justice of Jesus Christ? If so, say, I will. This is to the elders. Will you be a faithful elder, watching over the people, providing for their worship, nurture, and service? Will you share in government and discipline, serving in governing bodies of the church, and in your ministry, will you try to show the love and justice of Jesus Christ? If so, say, I will. Now this is for the trustees. Will you be a faithful trustee, managing and maintaining our facilities? Will you be a good steward of all that God has entrusted to Nielsville Presbyterian Church and serve cheerfully and to the best of your God-given ability? If so, say, I will. Now, there's questions for you to answer as well. Do we, the members of Nielsville Presbyterian Church, accept Wendy, Jason, Margaret, Nangi, Catherine, Kevin, Michelle, and Theo as deacons, elders, and trustees chosen by God through the voice of this congregation to lead us in the way of Jesus Christ? If so, say, we do. Do we also agree to encourage them to respect their decisions and to follow as they guide us, serving Jesus Christ, who alone is head of the church? If so, say, we do. Now I'd like to invite all those others who have been ordained before to come forward and to lay hands on our new elders, deacons, and trustees as we finish ordaining them. You can stand in front of them if you need to, too. You scoot. Before we pray, I think visually sometimes we need to recognize things. Um, this isn't just for those who are being ordained. This isn't just the church that's standing up front. The church is both of these groups. That are here. All of us are who are working together, who God has gathered together to be this congregation. And so just, just absorb the amazingness of the leaders that have come from among you and absorb all of these people who are sitting here ready to form this congregation and to move forward together in new ways. Let's pray. Lord, we want to give you thanks for these new elders and deacons and trustees. We ask that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon them. We pray that you would help them to be faithful in the midst of their personal challenges, in the midst of the challenges of the church. We pray that you would give them an openness to listen to you and to even hear your voice spoken through others in the congregation. We pray that you would train them in prayer that you would just give them your spirit so that they might express the compassion of Jesus Christ in action and in word. We pray that you would help them to be comfort to those who are grieving and those who are troubled. Equip them with courage, courage to care, courage to lead the church, courage to make decisions within the church, courage to care for all aspects of this congregation, from the building to each individual. We pray that you would give them joy as they walk in faith. We pray that you would help them see you in new ways and be encouraged by, and I pray that we would be encouraged by one another to follow you, to serve you, and to continue to make your presence known here in this community and in each other's lives. We pray that you would be with them for each step of their ministry and make all of us strong in Christ to live as your people, to show forth your saving love in this world by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
I'm not going to give you a special charge. My charge was before, is to say that the church is made up not just of leaders, but of every person. Please show a sign of peace to one another, and I, then I will invite you to take your seats. Now we are going to be continuing our prayer, but expanding it to be praying on behalf of our community and the world. Let us pray together. Lord, I do thank you for each person that you've gathered here. We are grateful for one another. And we pray that you would guide us as we give that our contributions together might be used to proclaim your name in this community and the world. We pray for all those who are battling um, cancer and are experiencing physical pain and loneliness, all those things that um, try to tear us away from you. We ask that you would use this congregation, to bring that hope, to bring your presence to all those in need. We pray when we're struggling with things that we have to do, that you would guide us in recognizing all these others around us, near to us and far, who are struggling as well. Show us how to offer compassion. Equip us together to do what we can't do on our own, to care for the others around the world. We pray for leadership, not just the leadership of our congregation, but the leadership of our communities and our country. We ask that they would be agents of justice, agents of peace, that wisdom would be given your wisdom. And Lord, we pray that every step that's taken in leadership would be that that glorifies you. We pray, Lord Jesus, and thanks for how you are leading us. Continue to lead us forward to serve you in love and to cl make clear your love for this world in all those places where there is brokenness and hurt. We join our voices now in praying the prayer you taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let us stand for our closing hymn.
So my charge to you is to listen to God and find how he's asking you to give. And by the way, there are three slots for deacons available. And if that's the way where God is moving your heart, I encourage you to talk with uh, Marge, who is, I can wave her hand up front, or Pastor Pete or myself, if that's something you feel God's leading you in a specific way to do. And kids, don't forget, you got to see all the elders and deacons. Go introduce yourself to one of them before you leave. And now may the God of peace, who raised from the dead our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you all and equip us all together to do every good thing in his will. Alleluia. Amen.